0: examine this text, the similarities similarities become even more striking. In the first instance, they are enlightening. Say enlightening. Enlightening. In the second instance, they are frightening. Say frightening. Frightening. And in the final instance, they are exciting. Say exciting. Exciting. Look look, look with me at these similarities. First, look at the enlightening similarities. What, What looks like a new enemy ain't really a new enemy. Look at the text. The Philistines have been around for a long time. What, what looks like a new enemy is really an old enemy with a new threat. Oh. The enemy's identity has not changed. It's got a new threat. Say, say new threat. New See, threat. back in chapter 13, in 1 Samuel, Saul was fighting these same Philistines. This is an old enemy. But when they gather their armies at Sokol, they just come with a new threat. Yeah. We ain't fighting no new enemy. I I mean. What looks like a new enemy is really an old enemy with a new threat. Yeah. We've been fighting racists ever since we got here. Yeah. We've been fighting white supremacy ever since this country was, no, before the country was founded. We, we've been fighting white supremacy ever since the West African slave trade started 500 years ago. This is an old enemy. Yeah. It's just coming with a new threat. We've been fighting Uncle Toms and sellout Negroes. Go along to get along, darkies, and master, let me tell you what they're doing. We've been fighting them sellout negroes for a long time. Yep. It was a sellout negro who ran and told the slaveholders on Gabriel Prosser. It was a sellout negro who ran and told the slaveholders on Denmark Vesey. It was a sellout negro who ran and told massa on that it was a sellout Negro who ran and told Massa where to find John Brown so they could stop that Harper's Ferry thing. It was some sellout Negroes in my city who fought the first and only black man we've ever had for the whole time that he got in office. It was sellout Negroes who abandoned Martin Luther King on April 4th, 1967. A year before see, as long as he sang We shall overcome talked about integrating segregated lunch counters peaceably. The Negroes were in his corner. But on April 4th, 1967, one year before he was killed, when he came out against the Vietnam War in the Riverside Church, on April 4th, 1967, when he... They called a spade a spade, started talking about dismantling the racist military industrial machine that was the number one purveyor of violence in the world. When he started talking like that, the sellout Negroes left him high and dry. All of them start. We've been dealing with sellout Negroes for a long time. This ain't no new enemy. This is an old enemy with a new threat. Then then when you look closer, you see that what looks like a new enemy is just a oh really an old enemy with a new strategy. Verse four says, they done gone and got a giant. Got them a giant who talk trash, and sell wolf tickets. New strategy. They done gone and got Clarence Thomas. Put him as high up in the jurisprudence as you can go. New strategy. out Negro confused about his identity. Thomas said he thought he was the most qualified person for the job. <laughs> and Judge A. Leon Hickenbottom pointed out that not one of those 51 white senators who voted to confirm him as a judge would ever dreamed of retaining him as a lawyer because he'd never practiced no law. <laughs> Shut out Negro, confused about his idea. New strategy. They done gone and got them a J.C. Watts. Y'all know what J.C.? The boy named Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar Watts then turned his collar around and called himself a minister ain't been nowhere near seminary squeaky clean looking shirt and tie wearing sellout negro confused, conflicted and in denial this is a new strategy we ain't got no more handkerchief head bandana wearing shuffling no we got black robe wearing Armani wearing good looking highly educated excuse me highly trained like seals sellout negroes in Italian labels this is an old enemy with a new strategy. And, and J.C. and Clarence illustrate subpoint number three. Your old enemy has found himself a new champion. Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, J.C. and Uncle C. in 1999. What looks like a new enemy is really an old enemy with a new threat. Say new threat. With a new strategy, say new strategy. And with a new champion, say new champion. Those are the enlightening similarities. Now, now look with me, if you will, at the frightening similarities. What Saul in Israel discovered is that when you've got an old enemy with a new threat, a new strategy, and some new champions, in a new day, the old methods won't work. You ever seen somebody... Do the same old thing over and over again and expect to get different results. That's what this is like. Sometimes what new challenges teach you best is that the old methods ain't gonna work in a new situation. But that is a difficult lesson to learn. Most people who have been doing something one way want to stick with that same old way even in a new day. And most times they miss the most important lesson, which is old methods ain't going to work in new situations. Number one, old methods. Look, at old methods always involve putting down young people. Instead of encouraging them, we tend to incarcerate them in old ways of doing stuff, our ways of doing stuff, forgetting that we were once young ourselves and the old people put us down. We forget, some of us, that once we cross that 50-year-old line, get hair my color, We start putting down, young folks, not just y'all in your 20s, no, young folks in their 30s. No matter how excellent their ideas or plans might be, David's own brother put him down. We started reading in verse 31, but I asked you to read this whole chapter when you had a chance. Look at verse 28. His oldest brother, Eliab put him down. The eldest brother heard him talking. His anger was kindled. Why you come down here? Who'd you leave them sheep with? (laughs) Sometimes young folk with great ideas get put down by folks who are closest to... This is his brother, can I get a witness? Back in Chicago, back in Chicago where I pastor, where where our church sits today, where our members sit right now on Sunday, where our choir sings every week, where I stand to preach the gospel, that property we sit on was offered to us in my first year as pastor for $10,000. There was a former... Amp, which is like your Safeway grocery store there, and a Rexall Drugs, and the owner of the Rexall Drugs bought up the grocery store, and he walked down the block. My first year there and said to me, Reverend, I need $10,000 cash. You can have all this property and you can get your money back just selling off the inventory. I'm going to leave all my holes, all my lipstick. All... Listen, you got $10,000 worth of stuff. You can get your money back. I saw us owning that property. I saw us doing ministry. We we're doing ministry today. I was excited. I was anxious because I saw the hand of God at work in that offer. But I was young. I was 72. I was 30, almost 31 years old. And the folk over 50 quickly put me down and put me in my place. We can't use that. A.M.P. didn't want it. Rexall Drugstore is leaving. He can't do nothing with his size. It's right next to the railroad tracks. Plus, it's right next to the project. Instead of encouraging me, they... Incarcerating me. We got a mortgage we're paying on right now. Let's do one thing at a time. In other words, the seven last words that kill every church in the country. We never did it that way before. Splat, squashed my excitedness, squashed my vision, squashed my ideas, squashed my proposal. Then 11 years later, hear me. Because them older folk wouldn't listen to me, you know, that piece of property was offered to us for $10,000, the same piece of property. We bought it. And it cost us $284,000. Old methods always involve putting down young people. Instead of encouraging them, we incarcerate them in our prisons of thought and our old ways of looking at them. Then number two, the old methods involve telling young people what they can't do. We can't do nothing with that building. You can't do nothing with that property. AMP couldn't do nothing with it. Rexall couldn't do nothing. Who do you think you will? <laughs> Always telling young people what they can do. I, I had a vision. I wanted a church like my family. I wanted a church like my family. My family. My mother has an earned doctorate from the University of Pennsylvania. My father has 10 letters behind his name from Virginia Union, BCHBA. BD, MD, now from Lutheran, master's taking. Walking there with my foreign degrees. And my grandfather said, come here, boy. I said, yes, sir. Because <laughs> them letters behind your name ain't got nothing to do with the church. They got to do with how you make a living. The church has to do with how you make a life. And I wanted a church with JDs and PhDs and DDs and MDs and no Ds and ADCs. All together in the same family of God. And they say you can't have no church with educated folk and uneducated folk all in the same congregation. You, you can't do that. You can't have no gospel music in the United Church of Christ congregation. The whole thing is going to fail. The church will die. You can't do that. I had 87 members. I got 250 in one choir right now. Does it look like it's died? I got 7,000 members. No, not 87. Seven. Stop. Does it look like it died? They told me in Chicago the same thing I heard right here at Howard University. At Howard University in 1968, they told the young people, you can't have no gospel music at a school like Howard. It will lower our standards of excellence and reduce us to the level of folk music. People, young black people you can't have no black music at a black school unless that genre has been approved by master the howard university concert choir sang anthems and spirituals and you can't have no pumping and jumping it will never last it will soon die out 31 years later does it look like it died out always telling young people what you can't do I'm in the text I'm in the text think i ain't in the text look at verse 33 look at verse 33 look at verse 33 saul said to david you can't do that you are not able to go against this philistine and fight him for you are just a boy he's been a warrior since he was younger than you always telling young folk what they can't do it ain't gonna work that plan is crazy and then look look the old methods number one not only put down young people old methods number two not only keep telling them what they can't do but worst of all we then shackle them with old customs. The stuff that works for us. Look at verse 38. Look at no, Back up. Look at the last sentence of verse 37. Saul said, go. You bad? You the man? May the Lord be with you. I ain't going out there with you. You go on. But then look. Look at verse 38. He turns right around at verse 38 and shackles David with old stuff. Saul put his armor on David. Oh. Old stuff. Old methods. Saul put a bronze helmet on David's head. Old stuff. Old methods. Saul clothed David with a coat of mail. He said, you giant got a coat of mail? You need a coat of mail. Because I've got one, you need one. Old stuff. Old methods. Saul... Handed David his weapon, old stuff, old method, and saw thereby put David in shackles. David couldn't move. He tried to walk, but he, he tried in vain, because he wasn't used to that old stuff. He wasn't used to the old method. What, what worked, in other words, in one generation ain't necessarily going to work in another generation. My grandmama made it off anthems, and Thomas Dorsey gospel, and some songs out the gospel pearl. But I need me a little Richard Smallwood. I need me a little Paul Gatlin. I need me a little John P. Key and a little Trinity. Huh? What worked for one. Grandma ain't necessarily gonna work for me. So look at David. It said he removed the old stuff. Boy, if we weren't on time, I'd tell you what he took off. Can you give me two minutes? Two minutes? Huh? Look at, look, he he took off dead old white music. He took off dead old white worship. He took off dead old Uncle Tom customs. He laid aside, checking in with Massa to see what was okay for him to do and not to do. That worked in one generation. But he couldn't move trying to carry those old ways in this new day. He took off checking with Massa and laid that to the side. He stripped himself of the helmet which says, you got to go along to get along. He got out of that straitjacket that said, these things take time. He put down an old antiquated sword which kept the dockies in their place. He removed what had worked from one old generation and said in so many words, I can't use your stuff. I got to use my stuff. I can't use what works for you. He reached over into the brook and picked up five smooth stones that already had his slingshot in his hand. He was saying, in other words, I got to use what God gave me. If we could just learn that one lesson, it would be an awesome lesson. I can't use what God gave you. I got to use what God gave me. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't use what God gave you. I got to use... WHAT GOD GAVE ME! The enlightening similarities are are that what looks like a new enemy is really an old enemy with a new threat, a new strategy, new champions. The frightening similarities, both in 1st Samuel 17 and in 1999, when you use old methods and new situations, what you end up doing is one, putting down young people, two, telling them what they can't do, and then shackling them with old customs, and the oh, instead of encouraging them, we incarcerate them, lock them up in our armor, and tie them down with our traditions. But then when you look again at this text, they are not only enlightening similarities and frightening similarities, but they are also, what did I say? Some exciting similarities. Look at verse 37. David said, The Lord who saved me the paw of the lion and the Lord who saved me from the paw of the bear. That same Lord will save me from the hand of this Phyllis. In other words, we got a major problem. Yes, there's no denying that. We've got a major problem, but we also got a mighty God. He's the same God today, thank you Jesus, as he was on yesterday. The same God who made a way out of no way on yesterday is still making a way today. The same God who delivered us from the middle passage, from slavery and from sellout Negroes on yesterday is the same God who is still in the delivering business today. That's the exciting news. He's the same God. He was a waymaker then. He's a way maker now. He was a burden bearer then. He's a burden bearer now. He was a heart fixer then. He's a heart fixer now. How did David put it later on? David said, I, I once was young, but now I'm old. Yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He's the same God today as he was on yesterday. we got a major problem, but we've also got a mighty God. And when you read carefully David's words in verse 37, 37. The Lord saved me from the lion. The Lord saved me from the bear. What David is saying is that this whole thing ain't up to me. It is ultimately up to God. I'm going to do what I can do, but I've got to leave the rest up to the Lord and let God do what God does best. He can use me, but the battle ain't mine, it's his. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Now, that don't mean I don't have to fight. It just means that the enemy can't win. Why? Because the last point is this. God can. See, he's already shown me that he can. He saved me from a lion. God can. He saved me from a bear. Already demonstrated that he can. He saved somebody here from drugs and alcohol. God can. He saved somebody here from suicide and self-destruction. God can save somebody here from a toxic relationship. God can. Already demonstrated that he can. But the exciting news is not only that God can, but also that God will. David said the same me in the past will save me in the present. Say this, God can and God will. God will be a fence all around me. God will make a way out of nowhere. God will put food on your table. God will make your enemies your footstools. God will renew your strength. God will save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. God will. Take care of now. Somebody right here, right now, looking at me, looking at me. You can't see how you're going to make it. Somebody right now, looking at me, you can't see how we are going to make it. Somebody right now, all you can see is the obstacles, the barriers, the mountains, the misery, the armies. Well, let me suggest two things to you. Number one, the same David said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy you looking at the enemy don't miss the food looking at your foes don't miss the table being fixated on the enemies the Lord is making a way for you God can and God what? God will, but then number two, let me suggest to you That if all you can see is the obstacles And all you can see are the mountains And all you can see is the enemies And all you can see is the armies If you just can't see how anything positive Can possibly get done Let me suggest to you That's right You're looking in the wrong direction Come on Look back And see what God has already done Thank you Lord Thank you. He's already delivered me. He's already made a way. Already put food on my table. Come on, Lord. Already put clothes on my table. Yes, Lord.